Let me tell you about Rough Green. Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, uh, you know that taking care of your pet means you know more than just giving him food and water. The dog is a part of our family, all of our families. If you have a dog, if you have a cat, I mean that's a totally different thing. But if you have a dog, it's a member of the family. Hmm. Pickiest eater in the world, Uno was, uh, and uh, had to stand there and practically hand feed him. Now he goes crazy for it. Uh, all I do is put uh, this supplement on top of the food that we were already feeding him. It's full of vitamins and minerals and probiotics and antioxidants. All the nutrients your dog is missing out on. You put it on top and they love it and they change. My dog is so active now and he's a 10-year-old German Shepherd. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. R-U-F-F greens.com slash Beck. Or call 833-GLEN-33. That's 833-GLEN-33 or roughgreens.com slash Beck. The program begins in just a couple of seconds. Stand by. Adios. This is good news. Australia's leading the way. Here is the uh, deputy premier of New South Wales on vaccines. The message to the unvaccinated is, is that you will not achieve any further freedom unless you get vaccinated. And a further, further and final message to regional New South Wales. There are parts of regional New South Wales that are currently open. Uh, the 70% roadmap does apply to the whole state. So there will be individuals in regional rural New South Wales who choose not to be vaccinated, who will lose their freedoms on the 11th of October. So my message to everybody in regional and rural New South Wales is to continue to get vaccinated. Yeah. There's new freedoms coming for those who are uh, uh, vaccinated. New freedoms. But if you're not vaccinated, you lose your freedom, saith the Lord. Wow. It's not like we're getting militant about things here at all. Oh, speaking of that, we should probably also listen to The New Yorker because they've got a new idea. Should we, for the sake of the planet, start acting violently? I mean, let's be honest, it is about the planet. And there are some people who just won't listen. Uh, And we're the scary ones. America, time to wake up. Listen to The New Yorker in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me tell you about Car Shield. You're at point A. Why in the world are you in such a rush to get to point B? Just stick around point A. You got all your stuff. You don't even have to put on your pants. It's a win win. Okay. Uh, let's say you have to go out. I mean, there's. There's no way to talk yourself into you don't really need a car. I mean, I guess Uber. But if you're an Uber driver, what happens when your car breaks down? Huh? If it's out of warranty, if it's expired, you're going to be spending a lot of money to get from point A to point B. 
kind of an important thing for recovered uh, for covered repairs car shield is absolutely the best they take care of your repair with your choice of mechanic they get your roadside assistance and a rental car it's a breeze it'll save you thousands of dollars it's a win-win They'll help you get back on track when you're in a pinch and you're not on the hook to pay thousands of dollars. Get coverage today and see why CarShield cars go further. Visit carshield.com slash back. Save 10%. It's carshield.com slash back. A deductible may apply. Right. Yeah. All right. So. You're going to lose your freedom if you are in Australia. If you don't get vaccinated, you're going to lose your freedom. That's great for Australia. Here's the here's the problem. In America, we have this little thing called the Declaration of Independence. And governments are instituted among men to protect those freedoms. And when a government becomes hostile to those freedoms, it is the people's right and it is their duty to throw off the chains of that and create a new government that is not hostile to those freedoms. So in other words, you can't break away because you want to have slavery. But I think it's pretty clear you can break away if you want to just live by the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence because the old government started forgetting about the whole freedom thing. Well, I hate to even say that because people are going to say, he's, he's advocating violence. He's saying we should go into a civil war, which I'm not saying at all. Oh, my gosh, these people on the right, they're so dangerous. I know. Let's do something. Let's do something safe, shall we? Let's just read The New Yorker and listen to their podcast. Because they talk about books and things like that. Uh, and they had Andreas Malm on, who is really great. I just want you to listen. Here's cut one. Andreas Malm is a professor at Lund University in Sweden. Mm. He studies the relationship between climate change and capitalism. Yeah. And he advocates for far more drastic action than we've seen so far. Huh. His recent book, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, is a bit more nuanced than the title suggests, but oh, at its okay. core... yeah. He really does want environmental activists to rethink their commitment to nonviolence and embrace tactics of sabotage. Stop just a second. Let me let me me get this straight. So, Stu, I believe we have to discuss this like this. I believe when he says it's more nuanced than the title uh, uh, really kind of leads you to believe how to blow up a pipeline. It doesn't sound like it really does. It, that it is more nuanced because he then just went and said, uh, but it's more nuanced than, you know, the title would uh, seem. But but he really does want people to think about, you know, dumping the nonviolence thing. Well, Glenn, um, the nuance that's associated with the title, how to blow up a pipeline, just, of course, indicates that there are far more things that you can blow up. Oh, you not just blow, a pipeline. You could blow up a pipeline. Thank you. Could you. Blow up a thank tanker you. ship. Chip. I can see things uh, more clearly now that you, you speak like this. Yes. You could blow up a bunch of school children who uh, exhale CO2. All <sighs> these things are options. Well, there for are the future a lot of, of environmentalism. People. Thank you very much. Back to the podcast. I spoke with Andreas' mom last week. Mm-hmm. Andreas, you've been a climate activist now for a long time. And in 
2007, you were part of a, a Swedish group that started deflating the tires on oh, SUVs. Okay. Tell me about that. What was the impulse and how did it work? Yeah, so what we did was we went through rich neighborhoods mm. and picked out SUVs. Mm -hmm. This was in the early career of SUVs when they were still remarkable on streets before we they were completely ubiquitous. And uh, it's very easy to deflate the tires of a, a car. You just unscrew the valve and you insert a little, a little gravel or a piece of stone or something like that. And you, you screw the, the, the valve back on and then mm. the air will be out of the tire in a couple of hours. Mm. So this was not property destruction. It didn't no. damage anything. No. It, it, it created an inconvenience mm. for the owners of SUVs. Okay. All right. All right. So this began his uh, journey towards civil disobedience, cut to. What was the moment that you realized that your next book would have to be about targeted sabotage and why? That moment was very much the summer of 2018, which was unprecedented in Northern Europe for the wildfires and the drought and the uh, heat wave. Yeah. And during that summer, I felt panic and desperation, mm. uh, as a lot of people did. This was the summer that led Greta Thunberg to start her uh, later very famous school strike movement. And that sort of changed the picture because in 2019, uh, all the way up to the outbreak of the pandemic, the climate movement in the global north reached its zenith of mobilization. Really, it's its peak of popular force out on the streets. Uh, so the book became a, mo became a product of the moment of 2019, but it's also a call for escalation, a call mm -hmm. for the movement to... Uh, diversify its tactics and uh, move away from uh, uh, an exclusive focus on polite, gentle, and mm. perfectly peaceful civil disobedience. Right. Okay. So here's the left now on in The New Yorker uh, and on the podcast talking about how we, you know, it's not so bad to put rocks uh, into people's airbag, uh, air valves with uh, gravel otherwise known as gravel, uh, and uh, let the air out. It's, a, it's an inconvenience, sure, but it doesn't do any harm. But then now we really see that we really have to go away from nonviolence because it's really not working. So here he is on blowing up a pipeline. What actions are you recommending for the movement? Well, I am recommending that the movement... Uh, continues with mass action and civil disobedience, but also opens up for property destruction. So I'm not saying we should stop strikes or, or uh, mm -hmm. square occupations sure, or demonstrations sure. of the usual kind. I'm all in favor of that. But I do think we need to step up because so little has changed and mm. so many investments are still being poured into new fossil fuel projects. Mm. So you, I am you, in favor of, of destroying machines, property, not harming people. That's a very, oh, uh, yeah. very <laughs> important <laughs> distinction. Yeah, very there. important. Right. And, and I think property can be destroyed in all manner of ways, or it can mm. be neutralized in a, in a very gentle fashion, as when mm. we deflated the SUVs, mm -hmm. or in a more spectacular fashion, as in potentially blowing up a, a, a pipeline that's under construction. That's oh, something okay. that people okay. have done. Yeah, so, okay. you, so you are recommending 
blowing up a pipeline. You use the phrase intelligent sabotage. What is yeah. What does mm-hmm. intelligence sabotage look like in this context? Well, let me give you a very concrete example. Right now, Total, the largest single private company headquartered in France, is constructing what will be the world's longest heated oil pipeline in Uganda and Tanzania. And displacing in that process about 100,000 farmers, mm. all for the sake of carrying even more oil oh. to the world market to pour Damn fuel man. on the global fire. Mm. If people in that region were to attack the construction equipment, blow up the pipeline yeah. before it's completed, I would be all in favor of that. I don't see how that property damage mm. could mm-hmm. be... Uh, considered morally illegitimate, given Mm. what we know Mm. of the consequences of uh, such a project. So the ends justify the means, uh, is what he's saying here. Uh, Remember, you are the dangerous one. We're just a bunch of journalists uh, at The New Yorker that are just exploring different ideas. Uh, Today's idea, blowing things up and destroying property. Very, very, very different than killing people, of course. Uh, you know, uh, nobody was killed in uh, the Capitol. Uh, well, some one person was killed, but that was by a police officer. But police officers in this case are all good and should never be questioned. But the property was uh, destroyed there in the Capitol. And that is completely different than blowing up a pipeline. And Glenn, I will note for the listeners that Machines don't run on their own. The people who show up to work at these facilities are part of the machinery. They are basically parts of the machine. And if they are parts of the machine, they well, also machinists, could be destroyed. Mechanics. And, they, uh, and, and they, that, that sounds like a machine to me, quite honestly. Yeah, so. working on machines. If they are not there, then these environmental... Uh, cataclysms will not occur so obviously killing people who work on for machines. these companies at the at the at the site and yeah. and honestly uh, those people wouldn't show up if they were not paid so the yeah. executives of the com- company yes are yes. also fair maybe targets bank- and to maybe be the clear banks. maybe the banks well they fund maybe the banks. they fund anyone who works at a bank yeah. i think would wall fall street wall street this. would be a good target any shareholder of a company yeah, uh, like Amen, this brother. absolutely yes. yeah. what about the companies that provide uh, electricity and water to the banks to these facilities uh they are basically guilty yeah they're they're, uh, they're, they're, they feeding, they're giving aid and comfort to an enemy what if we killed all people uh, other than us well i because th- we don't we didn't do just these a things. second i we just i've written out a plan i've ri- had yeah oh yeah we've had a plan for how to eliminate people for a long time oh I, wow i'm glad you brought this up because oh thank god i've been carrying this around for so long and, you know, we all know, wink, wink, nod, nod, we're not going to kill people. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, that's rich. But that's I, rich. <laughs> no, it's not rich. Rich, bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Rich is very, very bad. Unless we're the ones that are rich. Right. Then it's that's really, very good. really very good. good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here's cut four. And yet climate activist groups like yeah. 350.org and Extinction Rebellion have made clear that nonviolence is central to their approach. Do you think that's been a mistake or a tactical error? 
Mm. Yeah, so I, I have nothing against the tactics employed by these groups. I have very often participated in them myself. What mm. I have a problem with is when Extinction Rebellion and people from 350 and elsewhere say that these are the only things that our movement can ever uh, allow itself mm. to engage in. As in, what we are doing is as far as we will ever go. We'll never escalate beyond this. And I think the, the, that idea, this uh, dogmatic commitment mm. to nonviolence mm -hmm. is based mm -hmm. on a faulty uh, his, mm -hmm. history mm -hmm. writing or understanding of social mm -hmm. struggles over mm -hmm. history because it's based on the idea that the only thing that has ever worked for social movements is to stay completely peaceful. Mm. And that just isn't the case. Mm -hmm. Most case. social movements that have struggled against overwhelming mm -hmm. odds, against enemies that have been very powerful, have diversified and used a number of different tactics ranging into property destruction and confrontation with the police. You saw this during the, uh, the, the uprising after the murder of George Floyd, we where there did, was tremendous yeah. property destruction mm. and uh, okay. conquering and burning down police stations in mm -hmm. Minneapolis mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was an integral part of an mm -hmm. uprising mm -hmm. that brought mm -hmm. right, right. millions Violence. of people into the streets of mm -hmm. the U.S. Huh. than any other in American history. But, wow, that is amazing. Mm. It's a weird that the left seems to know that. But wait, I, hmm? I was told... Early Willow's largely nonviolent. Sure. Largely, largely nonviolent. Non Almost. Sure. I don't think there was any. Was I there didn't violence? see violence. What I saw was people that were committed to a cause. By the way, um, the FCC uh, needs to investigate its own history of racism and examine how its policy choices and actions have harmed black people and other communities of color. Now, this is coming from. Uh, this is coming from a left-wing group that is uh, funded by the Center for American Progress and George Soros's Open Society Foundations. Uh, they're they're wonderful. They're called the Free Press. You might remember them. Um, but they said, "What do we have to do? Uh, do we have to? How many? How many are we going to have to just shoot Republicans to reclaim our democracy?" Now you might think that that's violent, um, but it's not being covered in the press at all even though that's a letter they wrote to the FCC, are we going to have to shoot Republicans to reclaim our democracy? Um, that is really not so important, okay? Uh, because they have a reason to do that. Things are really, really tough. And, uh, you know, they're not, just, they're not just saying, let's shoot Republicans. They're saying, we have to reshape the media, and that is so important, uh, and if we can't get people to move, then maybe we should shoot Republicans. And uh, it's very nuanced. It's we, very nuanced. We have been telling people that they're not allowed to have firearms. So how will we be shooting all the Republicans? We'll... Uh, uh, we can have them, right? We can have oh, them. Oh, yes, we, we can, can have, we them. have them. And they yeah, can have them. That's right. That's right. That's, that's right. We're that's part of the elite. Doing. I forgot. Okay. Yes. Okay. Whew. Let me tell you about Relief Factor. <laughs> Vanessa, she had an experience with Relief Factor. She wrote in uh, about it, talking about the pain that was diminishing her way of life. She said she was unable to bend over, unable to safely navigate stairs. She was basically in extreme pain throughout most of her body. And what was worse... Her chiropractor told her that there really wasn't anything that he could do for her anymore. Thankfully, she heard me talking about Relief Factor and everything changed. 
After only a few weeks of taking Relief Factor, Vanessa now can bend over just fine. She can walk up and down stairs with no problem. She can even pick up her grandchildren. She wasn't able to do that for a long, long time. Vanessa got her life back by taking Relief Factor. I did too. So could you. Just give it a try. Relief Factor. Developed by doctors, about 70% of the people who try Relief Factor go on to buy more because it works for them. Try the three-week quick start trial pack for only $19.95. Just go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-583-84. 800-583-84, relieffactor.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Wow. And we are the dangerous ones. We are the dangerous ones. By the way, uh, good news, my friends. Uh, Biden got his booster shot yesterday. We were all worried about it, wondering when is he going to get it. Cut nine. Here he is getting his booster shot. Uh, we have plenty, plenty of opportunity to make sure we get everyone in the world to play our and part. He just the got his part in the world of getting everyone vaccinated. Very hairy arm. How many Americans need to be vaccinated for us to go back to normal? Like, what is the percentage of total vaccinations that have to be deployed? Well, I think, look, I think we get the vast majority of like what's going on in some of the some industries and some schools, 97, 98 percent. Mm. I think we're going to close. 97 or 98 percent. Wow, that's we're close. a hell of a goal. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> is there a stop? Is there a is there an issue with that? Still? He's just asking for 97 or 98 percent of all people to be vaccinated before we could go back to normal. When your plan revolves around basically full compliance, uh, usually those plans don't work. They, they don't tend to work. Well, they will. People make He's decisions on their own. losing his patience. He is losing his patience with people. Yes, and we have now fully seen uh, 50% of the increases of the last two months of vaccination rates have disappeared since he announced the mandate. Hmm? Uh, half of the gains of the past two months have disappeared since he announced the mandate, which is a really good thing. If, you, if you're one of those people who are thinking, I'd like to get more people vaccinated, this would be the opposite of the result you'd desire. However, are you blaming it on him? <laughs> I don't. I, you know, I don't know. Honestly, when it first started happening, I thought maybe it was a weird Labor Day data quirk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of people, because mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple of days there where they sure. didn't turn in, you know, really any, any mm-hmm. results from the data uh, and the new vaccinations. But no, it's it's it, ever since he ever since he went on television and said, I'm losing my patience with you. Uh, our patience is running thin. Uh, people have stopped going to get vaccinated in large numbers. Wow. Why do you think that is, Stu? I, mean, I don't know. I... It just seems as if he, they're acting uh, almost like their goal is that everyone gets vaccinated except their political enemies. That's that's it's almost like that's what they feel hmm. like they're hmm. it's interesting and it's Who almost knows? like Americans are acting like Americans uh you're not the boss of me you're not gonna <laughs> tell me what to do <laughs> it does seem that I way mean, a little bit maybe he's never had kids oh no he has this is the Glenn Beck program so I say maybe he's never had bad kids that act like tea. oh no he oh, has he's had, a, he yeah, has. He's had one real estate agents I trust.com how do you find a great agent? Well, I got a, you know, my cousin just started. That's not a great agent. 
it's not a great agent. So cousins cannot be good real estate. Well, agents. no, they can be, but you know, he just started and he's got something. He just needs, you know, get a get a good start. No, 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 no. Would you take if you had the money that you have in your house in cash? And you were going to invest that someplace. Would you listen to somebody who said, you know, my cousin, he's got something going on. You know, no. My cousin just started as a heart surgeon. He's never really done it before, but you would not do that. Mm. Why are you taking that big bundle of money and handing it over to somebody who isn't the best? Buying and selling. You need the best of the best. Let us help you find them. Realestateagentsitrust.com. We'll steer you to the right people, realestateagentsitrust.com. I want you to do your own homework on them. It's a free service to you. Find the best, realestateagentsitrust.com. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn for 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck program. Right now, a senator is just saying blah, 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 blah. Listen. Invasion of Iraq. There he is. He's fantastic. And uh, this is the beginning of the Senate Armed Service Committee hearing on Afghanistan. General Milley is uh, going to be testifying today, and we are going to be covering that. Uh, he's got a. He's got some Lucy. You got some explaining to do. What could he possibly tell us? He's spoken to every author in America that's written a book about the Trump administration. Why does he? What else could he possibly say? He seems to be the main source to, to of, of every book that's been released in the past year. He's incredible. As he's a incredible. General too. Like yeah. you think this is not the guy who's going to be continually leaking to the media? Yeah, he's he got an answer for uh, the call to China. Mm. and afghanistan which Mm. has gone very very well right pat yes oh afghanistan's Mm -hmm. gone perfectly it was uh was it massively successful it was enormously successful and you couldn't see it it as anything other than a success well i don't know how you do it any better you can't you can't you you can't do it any better every other war Has ended this way. Exactly. Exactly the same way. In shame and humiliation. (laughs) Each and every one of them. Each and every one of them. Uh Uh-huh. Usually by the losers, (laughs) uh, not the one with the with the military firepower. Yeah. Right. Usually. Not in this case, a little bit of a a remix Mm -hmm. of that situation. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I liked uh I liked um uh Saki over the weekend saying that she was just really tired of Republicans blaming Afghanistan and the border on this administration she's just really tired of it <laughs> yeah i'd be yeah. tired of it if uh, i were her too yeah, because everyone's yeah. doing it and she has to answer for it all the time yeah so i'm sure she is tired yeah. of it problem yeah. is it Accurate? is their fault mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so that's a problem for wow them. wow okay you're just mm-hmm. gonna go there without hearing uh millie uh let's listen to some more uh <laughs> senator reed here about the viability of the afghan man government he's good and afghan that's really good and how you know the thing about these hearings is uh they just all the senators they don't they're not actually interested in what the person has to say have you noticed so that? bad i hate th- i really do hate these hearings because it's all pre-written stuff by these senators who just do a speech and when the person tries to answer the question they just cut them off to get to their next big mo- moment that i guess is going to raise dollars on their next fundraising email yeah they want to have these like little youtube moments 
Now, occasionally we get something out of that. I think we've seen, like, for example, Rand Paul be very effective with Anthony Fauci and these mm-hmm. things. And it's not without, not entirely worthless, but here Mostly. you're going to hear basically the Democrats say, look how bad Trump was. And you're going to see the Republicans give their speeches about about uh, Milley and how he shouldn't have talked to China. These are both, val- you know, you could argue whether they're valid points or not. Right. But they're valid points for their own sides. The question, did we get I want stuff from Milley. I want him to be asked questions. I want him, like like Rand Paul did, specific questions <coughs> where, you, you know, we're giving, where Fauci answering them gave us something, gave us a better understanding of that situation. It's Solar. a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really was. Yeah. And that's what we want, mm-hmm. right? We want someone who's going to actually ask a question that's going to elicit some sort of response. And the speech itself makes no difference. Right. And uh, not only elicit a response, but put them on the record one way or another. You know, did you make that phone call? Yes or no. Who did you speak to mm-hmm. about it? Who was on the phone call? Did you ever tell the president about that phone call? Yes or no. You and know, we know he made the phone call. I, I mean, know, know, and he's never, he's never denied any of this. No. Well, he can't. I mean, we've got him on record. We've got him on, you know, recordings. He's, he's argued, he has responded and said that he, it wasn't bad, right? Right. He's he said, of course, he says he didn't do anything bad. Right. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, first of all, this is what they you got. General... Be in the oh, yeah, yeah, you did. You should <laughs> yeah. be on there. I yeah, think right. that would be. Um, I mean, this is what they got General Flynn on. Remember? Mm-hmm. The Logan Act. Because he called and said, look, there's a new administration coming in. Let's not escalate to the point where we we can't ratchet things back down. Don't do anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he got in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. How dare him do that? Well, I personally think that one is okay. He's calling on behalf of the incoming president and saying, let's, let's take a breath here. Just take a breath. Don't do anything until we get into office. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're going to have a different approach. I think that was very wise of him to do. I mean, that's what they would argue they were doing. That's what Millie would argue he was uh, doing. He called up and he said, look, do, when we know it's not crazy on behalf right of now. The, not on behalf of the president. He worked for the president. That's mm-hmm. the problem. He is he was the, the chief of, sta- a chief of uh, staff, right? So or, it would be okay for the, you know, the Blinken, incoming, yeah, Blinken to, to, do to that. call up and say, hey, look, things are going to be better in a couple of weeks. Correct. Hold on. Correct. Not for the guy who is currently the advisor to the president and telling him uh, that I'll call you if anything is bad's going to happen and not telling the president he's making that phone call. Did you hear Woodward's excuse on this by any chance? No, it's it's interesting because I, I read the book Peril and it is the, the the way conservatives and even in the media, I think this this whole Millie China thing has been taken is not how it was presented in the book. It was presented in the book as a way to illustrate how bad Trump was. It was not presented in the book as a way to show that Millie was undermining Trump. Correct. It was presented as a way to say, look, Trump was so bad. He His had general to had to call and say, we promise we won't nuke yeah. you, China. It, it's, it's a totally different spin. So Woodward is saying like, no, what we were saying was Trump was a, 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 a national security threat. And that's and why Millie had to isn't? do this. I this mean, guy I, I would agree isn't? with you, but that's what he's trying to say, which to me is absurd. I mean, I, you know, they're just trying. It's interesting. They thought it would be taken this way by the media. And I think even the media at some level has said, you know, this doesn't feel right. 
you can't just have your generals calling up and and doing things that are behind the president's back. Now they're they've argued since, no, oh, there's lots of people on this call and and I talked to Esper and we we you know, not everything goes to the president, but I I talked to my my superiors. But I I think it's pretty weak reasoning here. It's it's way better when the president himself says to like the president of Russia, hey, after the election, I'm going to have a lot more leeway to do whatever you guys want me to do. So just hang on. And then that's transmitted back to Vladimir. It's way better when that happens. That's a good point. But the Democrats have this down. They've they've got the. uh, the treason aspect uh, down to a real science here. They do. They do. They do. It's great. Um, I'm wondering how someone <laughs> justifies that uh, the last president was out of control who brought peace and mm. this one who is breaking all norms internationally um, mm-hmm. in, in dangerous ways and getting Americans killed. How this one is not somehow or another out of control. Yeah, so it, it it's amazing. He he can get away with, and it, you know, and they're still they still aren't noticing some of the most glaring things about this guy. That I don't know. He's losing his mind. There's another little <laughs> aspect that they might want to pay attention to sometime in the near future because you're going to have to deal with it. I'm wondering, you know, did you hear the uh, opening of the show today where we played the audio from uh, the New Yorker about how to blow up? Yeah, it sounded like uh, they were interviewing a terrorist. No, no, no. he's an I environmentalist. Mean, I meant an environmentalist. Yeah, yeah. Terrorist. No, he just thinks that, you know, because it's so dire, we just mm-hmm. have to start blowing up uh, pipelines. Okay? <laughs> That's all they're saying. That's, That's all, all they're saying. saying. It's very deal. nuanced. It's very nuanced. uh and uh and that's 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 totally fine yeah they they are uh, they are coming out and saying things that i never thought possible that they would ever say um however i'm wondering now if democrats i mean the kind we used to live next door to you know what i mean and probably still do live next door to that aren't crazies Mm-hmm. Do do they see that you're now being spoon fed environmental terrorism? They're now starting to embrace terrorism. I I don't know. We're so divided. We are so torn apart um, on every issue that I don't, I don't know if there are just normal Democrats anymore. Not very many of them anyway. I mean they they hate the other side so much that they can't see any of this stuff. No, there's there has to be because there are there are many groups that uh, make up the right. There are the people who are just get them. Uh, that's a small little fringe group. Then there there are the Trump supporters. Then there are the people who are reluctant Trump supporters and then non Trump supporters. You know, that this the right is broken up and fragmented. Are you saying that it's just one lockstep? 
feels like Democratic it. Party. It does feel like it, it, it because you never hear anybody speak out against mm-hmm. it. it. It does feel mm-hmm. like that. But I think sometimes I, I notice this with vaccines a lot, right? Like, well, who are the people that get highlighted? You get the people who are like, you have the vaccine or you go to prison on one side. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people who are like, I don't want your fancy medicine on the other. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. You talk to people about it and people are like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm a little, I don't really want to get it. I don't like getting shots. I don't want the side effects. Right. And then you talk to the other people on the other side, like, you know, I think it's a good idea. But if you don't want to get it, you know, whatever. What are we going to do? Like, I think that's most people in reality on the Internet, in 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 uh, in the media. Those people never get highlighted. But like, I don't know when I have conversations with people about this stuff, they're not insane. They don't they don't sound like they tweet. And I don't know if that's just a function of social media or what, you know, gets clicks online or what. But it, it definitely does seem different. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, there are there are definitely people I know, but we live in those, Texas. Yeah, no, that's true. But I have I, I have a lot of people, uh, friends who live around the country, um, and you know, we've lived in every city. Basically, we're in radio, so we've moved forty six thousand times. And when I talk to people, there, like, there are some people I know who are like, like, hate Donald Trump with such a passion that no mm-hmm. matter what is associated with him they will you know revolt against it and Mm -hmm. say he's the worst person in the world but like i also know people who voted for joe biden who are just like i don't know i mean like you know it just seemed Mm -hmm. like he was a a better i don't know trump it seems like he's out of control but whatever like there's not like not everyone has that i think people do live their own lives they do actually like care and a lot of these people by the way are very gettable on things like crt you know, people, yeah. they might yeah. totally hate Donald Trump. And I think the vaccine, too. And, and the, Afghanistan. Yeah, and Afghanistan in particular. Afghanistan's I've, the one that I think we're closest on. I haven't met one person who has defended what happened in Afghanistan, including yeah, all my most liberal friends. None of them say mm-hmm. it was acceptable, let alone uh, incredibly successful or whatever the terminology they used was. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I haven't met anybody. I don't think there. I don't think there's a soul. I don't think there's anybody inside the Biden administration who thinks that went well. Hang on just a second. He's uh, the the general is now speaking. We want to give you an opportunity to have opening statements. As uh, okay, so. we're going to skip those opening statements because they're going to be great. Um, back uh, with more in just a second. First, let me tell you about LifeLock. Back in the good old days, a man wanted to rob you blind. He'd beat the crap out of you in a dark alley somewhere. He had integrity. Times are simpler in the back alley when they stole your wallet. But nowadays, cyber criminals exist and they have ever more sophisticated ways of taking what is yours, including your money and your identity. Cybercrime is not just going to go away. It gets harder all the time to track all of it down. That's why you need LifeLock. They can't detect everything, but they catch a ton of criminal activity. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft is affecting your life. Every day we put our information out at risk on the Internet, and they will detect a wide range of identity threats, and they'll send you alert. Plus, if you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist, you're not going to get that anywhere else except LifeLock. You have access to that person if you become a victim. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or head to lifelock.com. Use the promo code BECK for 25% off. Lifelock.com, promo code BECK, or 1-800-LIFELOCK. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
All right, let's see what uh, General Milley has to say in his opening statement here. A landlocked country, no government, a highly dynamic situation on the ground, and an active, credible, and lethal terrorist threat. In a span of just two days, from the 13th to so the 15th we're not of August, from Millie, we're hearing from Austin, we went from working alongside a democratically elected longtime partner government to coordinating warily with a longtime enemy. We operated in a deeply dangerous environment. Wow. And it proved a lesson in pragmatism and mm. professionalism. We learned a lot of other lessons, too, about how to turn an Air Force base in Qatar to an international airport overnight. Why would you have to do that? About how to rapidly screen, process, and manifest large numbers of people. Why? Nothing like this has ever been done before, and no other military in the world could have pulled it off, and I think that is crucial. No, everywhere ends like this. Now, I know that members of this committee will have <laughs> questions on many things, such as why we turned over Bagram Airfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. How real is our over-the-horizon capability? Oh, that's another good one. And why didn't we start evacuation sooner? Oh, right. Yes, And yes. why didn't we stay longer to get more people out? Yes. Great questions. So let me take each in turn. Okay, let's All see. Right. Retaining Bagram would have required putting as many as 5,000 U.S. troops in harm's way just to operate oh. and defend it. Hmm. And it would have contributed, contributed little to the mission that we've been assigned. No. And that was to protect and defend the embassy, which was some 30 miles away. But the problem was the assignment. That's what the everyone's The distance from Kabul also rendered Bagram of little value in the evacuation. The staying at Bagram, even for counterterrorism purposes, meant staying at war in Afghanistan. No. Something that the president made clear that he would not do. Right. That's the problem. That's As what we're talking about. As for over-the-horizon operations... <sighs> When we use that term, we refer to assets and target analysis that come from outside the country in which the operation occurs. Mm -hmm. These are effective and fairly common operations. This is how you hit the people Indeed, just days water. ago, we conducted one such strike in Syria, eliminating Wait, why not talk about the one that was in Afghanistan. Yeah, the high-value target. The high-value target. The high-value target. Was the operations delivering water. But absolutely possible. Uh, it's possible. And the intelligence that supports them comes from a variety of sources okay. and not... Just boots, Are they the same sources that the told you that those kids delivering As water were the ones you should bomb? Yeah, because the nice thing about that one, Glenn, was the that uh, they the kids were really excited to see their dad, so they all ran out to the car to greet him, and that's when the car oh, blew up. that is so sweet. But we have those over-the-horizon capabilities. This is the Glenn Beck Program.